So glad that you've joined us. If you're a guest in the house, maybe you're kicking the tires on church and in particular Timber Creek at one of our locations. We're so glad, we're thrilled to have you. You are not just a visitor, we consider you a guest and we wanna uh, treat you right. And there are connect cards you can drop off in our giving boxes at the end. If you would like more information on how you can connect and kind of what some next steps of, of what Timber Creek is all about, I, I invite you to fill out that connect card and, and drop it in a giving box. Let's, let's, uh, let's greet, come on, can we give it up for those that are visiting for the first time today at our locations? Glad to have you. With that said, I'm gonna jump right in. We're gonna drink from the fire hose, okay? Let's get started, and it starts with this. Everyone, it, what is it? I have no idea what you're talking about. Let's get started. That's how 2020 and 2021 feels like. Can I get a witness in the house today? The abyss dealing with, all right, go back. We're fine. We got it now. We got it now. All right. All right. Are we ready? Are we ready to rock and roll? Let's, let's go. Everyone, say it with me, everybody at all locations. Everyone ends up somewhere. And that doesn't take rocket surgery. Everybody ends up somewhere. The truth is only a few people really end up somewhere on purpose. Everyone ends up somewhere. Everyone leaves a legacy. I wanna leave a legacy, you will. It's just that there are only some that leave a legacy on purpose with a goal and with uh, an end in mind. Everyone ends up somewhere. A few end up somewhere on purpose. And as we're walking into 2021, understand that my direction determines my destination. I can have really good ideas, really good New Year's resolutions, really good feelings. I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna lose that weight, I'm gonna save that money, I'm gonna make that change, I'm gonna uh, get that deal done, I'm gonna pay off that debt, whatever. My direction determines my destination, not my just good feelings or good intentions. So wherever you're headed, wherever you're pointed, the truth is any of us for 2021, we can shoot an arrow in the wall and paint a target around it. You hit a bullseye every time. But putting a bullseye out there and then aiming a target towards it, that's, that's what we wanna see accomplished through God's help in this new year. I think of the Apostle Paul, whose direction was determining his destination, that he was against the way, against Christianity. His name was Saul. Um, it, was, it was his uh, uh, Hebrew name. His Greek name, Roman name, was Paul. Uh, he had a, a Jewish uh, mom and a Roman dad. And his direction was going towards everything against Christianity. And he was on his way to another city to persecute and imprison and possibly kill Christians. And he had an interaction with God. It churned his direction and it gave us more New Testament books than any other author of the Bible. The Apostle Paul says it like this in one of those books that he wrote in a letter that, that he wrote in 1 Corinthians. He says, I don't run without a goal. I fight like a boxer who's hitting something, not just the air. I'm not shadow boxing. I've got a goal. I've got the, the, whatever's in, in front of me, and I'm not going to run without really having a target on the wall so I can aim. As parents, the Bible in the book of Psalms talks about how uh, children are arrows in our hands. Now, arrows don't have a mind of their own, but your kids do. But our jobs as parents is to aim those arrows in the right direction because direction determines destination. I don't run without a goal. Goals are critically important and it's not just buzz talk in your organization. Hey, uh, Sage and Isaac, help, help, help me out real quick. Come up, come up here real quick. Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna use a couple people here. Um, Sage is my 17-year-old daughter and um, uh, what's your name? Isaac, Isaac, that's right, okay. It's her friend who's a boy, okay, all right. All right, so, um, all right, 
So uh, Ishmael and Sage, I want you to, I'm sorry, no, Sam, Sam and Sage, just come over here. You're gonna stand at this, stand at this line, just like that. Sage, you stand at that, at that line. Okay, um, I want you, uh, you're gonna take turns. I want you to jump as far as you, just jump as far as you can jump. Uh, go, go ahead, Isaac. <laughs> you think that impresses me? <laughs> to do more than that. All right, Sage, you don't have to go as far as him. Just do, you do your best. I, I, trust me, you can do better than him. <laughs> and I don't mean in jumping. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Go. Whoa, get it. You, you went farther than the two grown men in the first service. Good job. Put, put, you say, okay, uh, help me out, Stephen. Run up here and we're going to put, okay. So that's, that's your spot. Go back to the line. Go back to the line. Isaac and, and Sage. All right, we're gonna try this again. Um, Isaac, go ahead and, and, and see. You, you kind of were like right here. See if you can jump further than where, where you did. See if you can jump further. Oh, he's serious. Oh, okay, son. Uh, nah, don't take that literally. Okay, sir. Can you do a running start? It's a good question, but don't break yourself. Just, just see if you can jump further. Just, okay. just jump as far as you can. Oh, look at that. Whoa, get it, it's those Nikes. All right, all right. Now, listen, I gave them the same direction. I said, jump as far as you can. They both jumped. What happened the next time around? They jumped further, farther, further, further, feather, further. They jumped more than they jumped the first time. It was the same direction. Jump again, jump as far as you can. There's something powerful about setting a goal. There's something powerful about setting a, a marker to aim for. There's something about having a target that even if you don't shoot it, if you don't place it out there, if even though you don't accomplish it, to place it out there is something valuable. If you don't have anything to shoot from, it doesn't push within you certain motivation, energy, emotion, uh, uh, prayer, diligence, character, conviction to actually move a little farther. Give it up for Sage. All right, thank you guys, thank you guys. No, I'm kidding, give it up for Isaac too. Well done, well done, okay. So, what I wanna invite you to do is consider setting some mile markers, consider setting some goals in your life the same way Paul says, I don't run without a goal. You don't have to have 15 goals. You don't have to have 10. If you have zero, have one, have one goal that you set to push yourself forward. And having a kind of goal, it really is, is about living intentionally, intentional living. That I don't just shoot arrows in the wall and paint targets, but I intentionally focus, I subtract distractions, I add focus to what's most important, and I move forward in the next place. I press toward the goal. I don't run without a goal. And so when it comes to intentional living, you may wanna just jot a few of these ideas down. These aren't blanks, the fill in the blanks yet, but you may wanna think, when it comes to goals though, I would encourage you, it's not about what you wanna get done in 2021. It's not about what you wanna get done in 2021. Really, it's about who you wanna become. It is who overdo. Many times our goals are about what we can do, but really God cares more about who you are than what you do, trust me. It's more about who you are becoming than what you are doing. Because if you can become more of who he's called you to become, it will shift what you're doing. Many people try behavior modification, what they're doing. You go to church and you can't do that and you can't do this and you can't, you, you, you can't smoke and you can't chew and you can't go out with girls that do and you better stop that and stop doing this and it all becomes about following a, a list of behavioral modifications and it's not about the heart changing, who you're becoming. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul and it's if you love him, it gives you the strength to obey him. It doesn't start with obey him and you'll figure out how to love him. Love him and you'll want to obey him. It's not about what you could do or get done in 21. It's about who you wanna become. So I wanna offer you four places where you can become more of who God's called you to become. Number one, could there be a discipline to start? A discipline to start. The truth is the discipline is a bridge between who you are and who you wanna become. 
The only way you make that next step is you have to walk across the bridge of discipline. The, the beautiful thing about discipline is it produces incredible results. The terrible thing about discipline is it's tough. It's hard. It ain't easy. If it were easy, everybody would be disciplined. And they're not. Discipline is difficult. In fact, the, the author of Hebrews says it like this. At the time, at the time, and how many of you have ever finished a, a statement with at the time? Like, it seemed like a good idea at the time. Or, I really thought they were the one at the time. Or I was really having a good time at the time. But then something changes. At the time, the truth is, discipline isn't much fun. It's always feeling like it's going against the grain. That's what discipline is. It's, it, it's a push against, it's rising above, it's moving forward. The author of Hebrews says, it ain't fun. It always feels tough. But later, of course, it pays off handsomely. The truth is about discipline, discipline has short-term pain, long-term gain. Short-term pain, long-term gain. You know the opposite of that? Um, a lack of discipline? Sin, for example, sin, uh, rejecting the authority of God in our life, sin has long-term, uh, short-term gain. Many times, sin can get you a short-term benefit. You were able to feel that way. You were able to do that thing. You were able to have the final word between you and God. And there's a short-term gain, long-term pain. Discipline gives you some pain up front, but the, the benefits it yields are unreal. Can I give you, if there were one keystone discipline, one discipline to, to, to hang all the other disciplines on in 2021? A discipline to start that maybe you've started before, but it's, you've drifted. You started before, but it's gotten cloudy. You started before, but there's a crowd between you and that goal. There is one discipline to start. Two words, God first. God first. The first person you get counseling from. The, 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 the first person you connect with when you wake up, the, the, the first person that you gab all your gossipy details to, the only person really should be God first. It is the strategy for humanity. It is a strategy for healthy living. Seek first the kingdom of God. Everything else after that. You, can't, you, you can seek other things. You can seek other things. God first, everything after that. If you can develop that discipline, no matter what I do, no matter what I, what I accomplish, God first, everything else. My marriage, God first, marriage after that. Because if you're not becoming who God's called you to become, you're never going to be the husband that they re she really wants you to be. God first. The first person you pay with your paycheck, the first person you get advice from, the first person you go to when you're hurting, the first person you vent to, God first. You know, modern day prophet said it like this. His name's Ricky Bobby. He said, if you ain't first, you're last. If you ain't first, you're last. And his other minor prophet, uh, shake, you know, shake and bake. That's, that's, that's what it is. But if you ain't first, you're last. Can I tell you something? If God isn't first in your life, if God isn't first in my life, he is not God in my life. If God isn't first in your life, he's really not God. Because God has ultimate place, ultimate throne, ultimate control. If God isn't first, he's really not God. Some, whatever is first in your life. Security, security is your God. Health, everything comes after health. Health is your God. And what happens with these things, security and health, they can run through your fingers like water. You can't control them if 2020's shown us anything. And when you put your God, your trust in a God of your finances, your job, your security, your affirmation of your spouse, your marriage, your home, your stuff, your whatever. If God's not first, he's really not God. 
So a discipline to start. One person, it's good, it's good. It's a, amen, amen, Jesus. You don't have to clap. You don't have to clap for it to be right. But it does, it does make it feel a little bit better when you, you, when you do interact, okay? Like, you know, da, 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 cricket, <laughs> like, cricket. I know some of you are just like in prayer over the, the Washington, uh, Washington football team or whatever and the Dallas Cowboys right now. You're just praying. You, you don't even care about what's going on in this service. You're just hoping the Dallas make the playoffs because of whatever needs to happen because of your E equals MC squared formula of whatever's gonna happen. Okay, we'll see what happens. God first. Can I show you a real practical way to put God first? Prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. Prayer is the key to everything you should do and be. If you really wanna become more like God, become who you're called to become, prayer is the key of what you should do and be. Prayer puts a searchlight on your heart. Prayer aligns myself with God's directives, not my own, his will, not my will. His kingdom come, his will be done. Prayer is the key to everything you should do and be. Fasting is a huge part of discipline to start. Prayer connects us to God. It connects us to God. Fasting disconnects us from the world. Over the course of the next 21 days, January 4th to 24th, we're gonna be having prayer every day, Monday through Friday, six to seven in our locations in the Lufkin and Nacogdoches location. I invite you, be a part. It is one hour. We're joining hundreds of other churches with a, with a live stream that will come in. We'll have time of worship, prayer, a small teaching. We'll separate for a few, few minutes to, to journal and pray and do your own prayer list. Then we come together at the end and we pray over some specific things. It's all led. It's not weird. There are no snakes. There's no strychnine. There's no poison. That's Thursday nights at three, at 3 a.m. At another church, at another church, okay? Not this one. Like it's a safe place. Maybe that's a discipline you need to start. Also on Wednesday nights, the first three Wednesdays of the year, we gather together right here and we have a time of worship and prayer and reflection as the body of Christ. And I encourage you this Wednesday, start the discipline, Get, be a part. If you can make it, join us online, join us in person. Let's, let's really put God first in everything. It'd be a great discipline for you to start. Number two, the courage to stop. There's a discipline you need to start, but there's also for all of us, there's probably something you need to stop. You need to stop. Like, it, it, don't do that anymore. And you know, one of the most elusive things you need to stop is stop taking away all your margin. I did that on purpose, by the way. It's nice when the words can fit on the page, but some of you, this is your life. This is your schedule. This is your calendar. This is your agreements. You can't say no. You say yes to a bunch of good things and it keeps you from saying yes to the best things because you're saying yes all the time. Some of you need just a good old no. You don't have to walk around, you know, with a face that says no, but you got to learn the art of saying no to some good stuff so you can say yes to the best stuff. You're not living in margin. And the truth is when you don't live in margin, it's not that you're, you're really bad. You're not really bad. You're not a bad person. You're not really bad. You're just really busy. And you know, the enemy knows how to lie to you. The enemy knows what devices to use. And if he can't get you to be bad, he may just get you to be busy. And the busier you get, the more focused you are on those things. I have margin on this platform. There's margin between me and the front row. There's margin between me and the television. There's margin between me and the edge of the stage. The closer I get to the edge of the stage, my margin shortens. The more I can't just think about what I'm saying to you, but I have to think about where my feet are being placed. The, the more I get closer to the edge, the less you're even thinking about what I'm saying right now and you're thinking about whenever he falls like you're hoping you're praying right now in Jesus name you're you're concerned about the edge you're concerned about the margin and when you live so close to the margin it's why we want to do nice things at Christmas but then we lose all of the margin we get into credit card debt nobody gets no you know direction determines the destination and your direction was not you did not have the intention to have an all this extra credit card debt but your direction determined that destination and now you have no margin and it's, what you, it's, it's hard to not focus on anything but that. It, takes, it, it consumes us. We gotta learn how to give ourselves some space, some breathing room. Is there anything you need to stop doing in your calendar, in your schedule, so you can make time 
for the most important. Every single person has been gifted 168 hours a week. Nobody gets 169. Nobody gets anything. 168 is what you get. It's what I get. And there are people that will waste it. There are people that will redline it. Make the most. What do you need to start with a discipline? Is there a courage you need to stop something? Maybe it's not a margin thing. Maybe it's an attitude thing. Maybe it's words. Maybe it's self-hatred talk. It's that negative stinking thinking that you say into the mirror. You would never talk negative to anybody else the way you talk negative to yourself. You would tell everybody else, you're God's creation. God loves you. You're beautiful. Don't worry. But no, that, why are you worrying about that? But you say the same thing to yourself and you got to have the courage to stop and remind yourself you are a child of the king of kings. There's value in you and you got to stop, have the courage to stop and start believing he is who he says he is and you are who he says you are. Maybe it's not a discipline to start. Maybe it's not a courage to stop. Maybe it's a system to create. Your body is a complex system, respiratory system, skeletal system, nervous system, respiratory system. And those systems are operating behind the skin in real time. We know, we recognize the system when something goes haywire, when something doesn't turn out right, when something stops working exactly the way it's supposed to be working. But that system is running whether you realize it or not. And your life, your decisions, the outcome of your life, you are running systems. In fact, the systems of your life are producing exactly what they're designed to produce. If you are saying, I never have enough time with my kids, your system that you are running, whether you recognize it or not, is a system that keeps you from having or making the time with your kids. If you are always losing your keys, your system is designed to produce the results you're getting right now because there's no system in place. You have systems running in real time you don't even know of. To get up out of bed, you have a system. Some of you, the system has hit the snooze bar seven times. Others of you, it's, it's early or it's late or it's whatever. You go in, you take a shower. Some of you, your system is like me. You're in the shower and your system includes step four. Janet, can you bring me a towel? You know, like that's part of my system. And she's like, change the system. Get your own dang towel. We all have systems. They're producing what they're designed to produce. If you don't have time alone with God, your system's designed to produce that. If, if you are flying off the handle all the time, your, your system is designed to produce flying off the handle. So, so what would it look like? What if, what if we allow the spirit of Jesus to speak to us about what our lives are producing? Because you're gonna end up somewhere. You're gonna end up somewhere. Number four, is there a relationship to cultivate? Is there a relationship to cultivate? The truth is we're living in a, in a day and age I never even thought of the words social and distance together. One even in part of my vocabulary. And even with social distance, I wanna to say to us, we need to dive deeper and be the kind of people that elevate conversation, cultivate relationship. And even if you have to deal with social distance in 2021, let's be the kind of people that have social substance. Not just social distance, social substance. Elevate conversation. Take it a, a step further. How can you add value to someone's life? How can you encourage one another? Can I, can, I, can I say something to you? There's not a single person, if you had a choice between a boss who would encourage you or a boss that would discourage you, nobody like, I really like the discouragement part. No, if you don't, you're, you're an idiot. I'm just gonna tell you right now. And I wanna encourage you with those words. <laughs> if you like to be discouraged, that's not the way you need to feel. That's not the right motivation. And if you're a leader that you feels like, feels like well, they, they don't need to know they're doing good. That's just their job. I'll just tell them if they're doing something wrong. That's dumb. Be an encourager. Everybody does better with encouragement. Bring substance to your conversations. Bring substance to your family. You know, a system that when we use it, because we don't bat 1,000 on this, 
But one of the very best systems we have done as a family is having a family meal and meeting once a week. When we get together with our two kids once a week, and we don't just have a family meal, but we sit down at a table and we have a family meal and meeting. Here's what that doesn't look, it doesn't look like, you know, let's call this meeting to order, you know. It's more like, um, is there anything you need from mommy or daddy that you're not getting right now? Is there anything that we've done that we need to apologize over? What does next week look like for you? Is there anything exciting that you have planned for this next week? Hey, daddy's gonna be out of town three days next week. And I wanna give you a heads up. Hey, we talked about making sure we get that done. That, that little piece, cultivating relationship and developing that system, there's something very powerful and motivating and propelling in that, okay? So if you wanna change who you are, you gotta change who you're with. If you wanna elevate, if you wanna, if you wanna strengthen, you gotta change just who you're, you're with. If, if you want to change who you are, change who you're with. Get around, you know, you don't have to be with them in the flesh. It can be a telephone call. It can be reading. It, you can be with someone. You can be with Abraham by reading. You can be with Moses by reading. You can be with King David by reading. You can be with Jesus by reading. Like there's something powerful. You wanna change who you are, change who you're with. Look at this scripture in Hebrews. Since we're surrounded by so many examples of faith, okay? We must get rid of everything that slows us down, especially sin that distracts us. We must run the race that lies ahead of us and never give up. We must focus on Jesus. Now look, 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 look at this, everybody. Get rid of everything that slows us down, run the race, focus on Jesus. Those are some great goals for 2021. But many times people overlook something that is repetitive in this scripture. Look at it. We are surrounded. We must get rid of everything that slows us down, especially sin that distracts us. We must run the race that lies ahead of us and never give up. We, you were never meant to run this race alone. You, you, you were never meant to put all these goals out there and run solo in anonymity. You need relationship to cultivate the right relationship. And I wanna tell you, if you are saddled with relationships outside of your marriage that are dragging you in the wrong direction, you need to recalibrate. Why do I say outside of your marriage? Because there is a different way to handle a marriage and recalibrating a marriage than just recalibrating a relationship out here. There's different ways both need to have attention, both need direction, both need attention, both need to run together, but there's different ways that we navigate those depths of relationships. So take a look, anything you need to start. I'm a flaw, go back, discipline to start. Anything we need to start, I'm gonna start flossing every day, flossing every day, just start there. Okay, 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 that's one thing. I'm all. I'm not gonna lose hundred pounds. I'm just gonna stop eating fried chicken. Why? Chick-fil-A is of God. But okay, okay. What do you gotta stop? What are you gonna create? Anything you need to cultivate? The apostle Paul says, I do not run without a goal. But can I be completely, I don't know if I'm gonna be completely honest. I'm gonna put a little tent on the windows. I'll be as transparent as I can be with you. This year feels different to me. That's the sermon I'd normally preach if 2020 wasn't the craziest, unprecedented, wild year that it was. That's the message I'd preach, we'd pray, and we'd, we'd give you some next steps. But I don't feel the same way moving into this year than I have in previous years. Does anybody feel the same way? That it's like, we got New Year's resolution, or, or it's like you had this motivation that maybe it's, it's lagging Maybe the, the spin on your, compu your spiritual computer, your motivational computer, it's spinning and it's stuck. I have struggled because still the ball dropped and 2021 happens and there's still uncertainty and there's still fear and there's still a pandemic. And there's still masks. Even though Saul, he changed his direction because he was on the road to demask us. <laughs> That's, that's my story and I'm sticking to it, bless God. Um, 
I feel this tension between the Apostle Paul, who I want to be like, and Job, who I relate with right now. See, Apostle Paul says, I don't run without a goal. But Job, and it's also Bible, it's also anointed, it's also scripture. Job says, I do not have the strength to endure. I do not have a goal that encourages me to carry on. The truth is, some of us are living in the tension between those two. You want to have a goal? Not very strong right now. You want to push forward and make the most, but dear God, hindsight is 2020, literally. And I don't feel very encouraged right now. The apostle Paul was intentional living. Job shows us intention in the living. Living in the tension of not knowing what to do and where to go, not knowing what's gonna happen next. Living with a feeling that things in any moment could spin out of control. And I, and I think for some, they would appreciate a pastor that would stand and just name it and claim it and speak life and, 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 and stay positive. That was a whole sermon series I did last year, stay positive. I can have faith and stay positive and also face facts that I can't control what tomorrow looks like. And if there's ever a time that you and I are faced with that reality, it's right now in this season of life. My direction determines my destination. But I want you to know that your life is moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. And if you're like Job, I want you to know, and you don't feel very strong or you don't feel very encouraged, if you will lean into Jesus in these moments, he gives you the strength you need when you're not strong. It's good that we're weak because it just shows us how much stronger Jesus is than us. It's good when we don't know and we don't feel very encouraged because God will encourage you. He will build you up, he will lift you. He will be the lifter of your head. Write it down, choices have got to lead. Feelings follow, but, the, but, but, but the how we usually live life, feelings lead and our choices follow. How I felt about that, I make a choice to say what I'm gonna say and I'm gonna let you have it. And my feelings led me to choose Feelings led, choice follows, and we gotta flip that around. Choices lead. Job chose to strengthen himself up in the name of God. He lost everything. He had sickness, disease, plague. His kids died. His business went bankrupt. He was sitting in the dirt with boils on his body only to get the kind of comfort that would come from breaking a pot and scratching those boils because he was miserable. And his wife said, curse God and die. His friends say, what are you doing? Curse God and die. And yet Job chose, chose to trust in the Lord no matter what the year was bringing him. And his feelings followed. His feelings followed. So as we end today, let me give you a few choices that you, if you wanna live not just intentionally, but live in the tension. Starting next Sunday, I am going to start a series of messages about living in the tension of Jesus. Jesus is grace, getting you what you don't deserve, grace. But the Bible says Jesus is full of grace, and truth, not 50% grace, 50% truth, 100% grace, 100% truth. Some of you like a Jesus that's just grace. Boys will be boys, it's okay, no big deal. And some of you like Jesus, it's all truth. I can't believe they did that. Well, oh, bless God, when I was going to church, I would never, <laughs> And we live in the tension of knowing there are times where we need to allow the grace of Jesus to pour over us like an ocean of care. And other times where the truth of God's word has got to get you to wake up has got to get you to stop, stop being what the world is begging you to be. And you got to live in the truth of who God is. And then the grace that gives you the sustaining strength to live in that truth. He is a God of being quick to listen and slow to speak. He's a God of freedom. He's also a God of boundaries. There's tension that you and I live in, and I'm gonna unpack the tensions, the control and chaos of a vibrant, full-bodied life living in the tensions of a Christ-centered heart. That'll start next Sunday. In the meantime, can we make some choices together? 
I'm wanting to do this for my own life. I'm wanting to make better choices. Do, do, do you know that, that the number one goal for me and Janet as parents, we, we say it like this, and maybe this will be a, a, a help to you. Our number one goal as parents is to help our kids become great deciders. Great deciders. If we make every decision for them, guess what they will not become? Great deciders. If I can help them make great decisions and they learn how to make great decisions, they're gonna go further faster in life. But it's not just great decisions based on instinct, based on a hunch, based on what Bobby Joe is doing. Great deciders using the word of God is the moral compass for every decision they make. Every relationship they make, every, every signature they sign, that they would be great deciders using the word of God as the moral compass for every decision they make. So choose, choose wisely in this season, the very beginning of the year. I wanna encourage you, choose, number one, choose surrender over control. You cannot always control. You can always surrender. Do you know what sin is? Sin is saying, I want control. I want control. No matter what the Bible says, I'm gonna do it my way. That's what sin is. It's not the act, it's the authority. It's the control. And you're addicted to it and so am I. Control the conversation, control the outcome, control the deal, control this. We're addicted to it. Choose surrender over control. Surrender, palms up to God. Okay, God, this year, you're first. I'm gonna surrender what I can't control to you. Some of you, the very first step in getting healing in your marriage is to surrender. You're trying to, to hog tie the sucker down. And I mean like <laughs> metaphorically the marriage, not your spouse. <laughs> Maybe you are trying to hog tie that sucker down. Some of you deserve to be hog tied. But you surrender, God, I'm gonna focus on, I'm, I'm gonna focus on my relationship with you. I cannot control him. I cannot control her. I can, can, I can choose to follow you, to become more like you. Let that be the key. Number two, choose community over anonymity. God reveals himself in community. The triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He shows us the power of community. He says, day one, it's good. Day two, it's good. In creation, day three, day four, day five, day six, it's all good. Then he says, hey, you know what ain't good? It ain't good for man to be alone. There's power in community. I was talking with someone in prayer this morning, right before our first service. Every first Sunday of the month, we have pre-service prayer at our locations for 30 minutes from 8.30 to 9. We were praying together for the new year and someone came up to me and said, can you just pray for my dad? And, and um, he, he just, he's, um, he kind of believes in God, but he doesn't know. And he's like, ah, church isn't for me. I, I find God on my own, in my own deal. And I want you to know that, that, that Jesus stands at the door of your heart, not it stands at the door of Timber Creek and knocks. He stands at the door of your heart. You can find him in your Chevy. You can find him in your living room but you, you cannot become who you're called to become without living in true community with other people. You cannot. Iron doesn't sharpen iron with air. Iron doesn't produce sparks just in, wielding in the air like that. Iron sharpens iron. So does one man sharpen another. There's power in community and choose community over anonymity. Here's what happens when you choose community. When you, when you go in community with God and you confess the stuff that's holding you back, he's faithful and just to forgive you of all that. You, people, it's not about people forgiving your sin. You, you, you may have hurt somebody and they need to forgive you, but your sin, Jesus forgives that. that. That's what the book of John says. But the book of James says, confess your sins one to another that you may be healed. So God is the one who washes our sin away. Community, confessing to one another, dealing with, hey, not living in anonymity with things holding you back, that creates a healing salve that pr produces traction and accountability and help and not accountability of someone pointing a finger in your face, but accountability that lifts your hands up and puts a hand on your back and shoulder, and walks with you. And I wanna tell you, even though you can find Jesus without a local church, 
There are so many things you cannot do that are in the Bible that you are called to do. There's a list of, the, of these things. Here, here's, here's, here's just a list of things you can't do if you're trying to go solo. If you're trying to go anonymous, you, you can't be at peace with one another, love one another, be devoted to one another, honor one another, live in harmony with one another, stop passing judgment on one another, accept one another, instruct one another. When you come together to eat, wait for each other. That's like you today. Serve one another. If you keep on building and look at this, if you keep on biting and devouring one another, you'll be destroyed by each other. That's like the walking dead scripture right there. Like, like we got, we got Christian zombies walking around biting, devouring each other with their gossip and their slander and their criticism on Facebook. Like it's crazy. We can't be like that. That's not how we're to get together and be one another, carry one another's burdens, be patient with one another, admonish one another, make your love increase and overflow for each other. Don't slander one another. Don't grumble against each other. Confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other. Each one should use whatever gift you've given to serve one another. Clove yourselves with humility toward one another. You cannot be who God is calling you to become without one another. You have to have it. And if it's online at a campus, if it's online campus, interact through Zoom, interact through online. If it's that way, get on the phone, shoot a text message. But we've got to be with one another and build substance in our relationships. Otherwise, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss it this year. Choose community over anonymity. Number three, choose clarity over certainty. You and I are addicted to control. We are addicted to certainty. We wanna know what's gonna happen next. We wanna know it. We wanna know it. That's what's so interesting when, when people get into like end time stuff. Ooh, what's it gonna look like at the end? That's interesting. Like we don't, and, and, and even though you can be taught a whole lot of things about the book of Revelation, the book of, of Daniel, I want you to know, it, a lot of it's still a mystery. You don't know. And if you're not careful, your desire to know becomes an addiction to certainty of what things are gonna look like versus open palms, palms up saying, God, it may look this way, it may look that way, but whatever it looks like, I'm trusting you. I'm gonna trust you for today. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Choose clarity over certainty. How do you get clarity? In a culture that's confused, in a culture that is devouring one another, in a culture that's fighting, in a culture that you don't know if news is real, if it's fake, you don't know what's conspiracy, what's legit. Uh, there's so many things. People believe in so many things these days. Itchy ears all over the place. How do you get clarity? And I want you to know, many of us, including myself, we lean into that certainty very fast. We just do it. So here's how you get clarity. You, don't, you, you won't get clarity from culture. You get clarity from Christ. And you do it by connecting in prayer. It's the key to everything you should do and be. And he doesn't promise that he will show you every step, but he does promise he will be a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. In your time with God, maybe you're gonna make an attempt to put God first in your time. First five minutes of your day, Here's how you can get clarity with God. First five minutes of your day, you can ask three questions. They're not on your notes, but, but write these down because I think they're gonna really help you this week. I really do. I was gonna take them out and I really felt like the Holy Spirit said, no, somebody needs to be asking me these questions this week. So I kept them in here. Here are the, here are the three questions. Jesus, do you know my situation? Ask it and then listen. If you're a God that spun the world into existence and you're a Jesus that loves me so deep that you would give your life for me, do you know my situation? If you knew what the cross was gonna cost in the garden of Gethsemane when you could have slipped out the back gate of the garden, but you still chose to go there because you knew your situation, do you know mine? Is my situation too hard for you to handle? Some of you are living in the tension here. Just this morning, one of my friends, their dream teamer, their, their dad passed away this morning. Here at church in the first service serving. God, is this too hard for you to handle? Do you have a good plan for me? And I want you to know you can get clarity. I know. I'm a big, mighty, strong God. 
before you were even knit all together in your mama's womb. I numbered the hair on your head. I know. Those are three questions you can ask to get clarity that no matter what the world throws at you this week that you, don't, you aren't even prepared for. God, are you prepared? Is it too hard for you to handle? Do you have a good plan? Does that good plan always align with my plan? But do you have a good plan? And the answer is yes, everybody. Let me, let me close with this. The second book of the Bible is Exodus. And it's the story about the people of God, the Hebrews, who moved to a, a, a place in Egypt and over time they began to grow and they multiplied and multiplied and multiplied to the point where the strongest, most authoritative man in the land, the Pharaoh of Egypt, he took ownership over the Israelites, over the Hebrew children. And they became slaves in Egypt for four centuries, 400 years. Now you wanna talk about living in tension. God, you said we're chosen people, but we're slaves. God, you said you have a plan. You're gonna bring us out, but you ain't brought us out. God, where are you? What's going on? And the story of Exodus is about how God calls a leader, Moses. He speaks to him and says, I wanna bring them out. I wanna free them. I wanna give them purpose. I wanna give them plans. I wanna become part of my family. But you gotta go and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. So Moses comes to Pharaoh and says, it's time for us to go. You're, you're holding us captive and, and he, he won't do it. And so God in his mighty arm and, and his acts of judgment, he begins to send plagues. And it's, it's the, the water turns to blood. There are locusts, swarms of locusts. Things are dying. It's, it's a terrible situation. And when the locusts come, uh, Pharaoh goes, oh, okay, I'll let you go. Cause he doesn't like the temporary pain. But when the pain is lifted, he renegotiates and he goes back on his word and they stay enslaved. And there's one plague that comes and it's frogs. Frogs are everywhere. The Bible says they're everywhere. They're in the cupboards. They're in the beds. They're in the atrium. They're in the microwave. They're in their baby's diapers. They're frogs everywhere. You're in the shower, frogs. You're at the toilet, frogs. You open the fridge, frogs. Frogs everywhere. All night you can't sleep because all you hear is bud wise. <laughs> My generation gets it. Nobody else, sorry. Anyway, the, the, all they hear is ribbit. That's it. And they cannot sleep. Cannot sleep. Exodus 8, the Pharaoh, the, the strongest man in the land. He says, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and begged, begged. Have you ever begged when you were a kid? Please, will you please? No, don't spank me. Please, oh no, please give me. He begged the strongest man in the land begged. Here's what he said to Moses. Plead with the Lord to take the frogs away from me and my people. I will let your people go so they can offer sacrifices to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Just go get rid of these daggum frogs. And here's Moses' response. Moses says, okay, you set the time you set the time, tell me when you want me to pray for you, because when I do, then you and your houses will be rid of the frogs. You set the time, you tell me, balls in your court, Pharaoh. And one of the craziest responses in all of scripture is the very next line. Pharaoh says, <laughs> Okay, do it tomorrow. You ought to read the Bible. It's in there. It's really, it's in there. Do it tomorrow. If I'm begging, if I got frogs in my soup and frogs in my dresser and frogs in my bed, I'm not going to say do it tomorrow. I'm going to say, 
do it right now! Now! And as crazy as that is, that's what you and I do too. Jesus invites you to make a change in this moment. Invites you to determine it's for me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. And you say, tomorrow. And someday tomorrow is gonna be too late. Choose surrender today. Choose clarity today. Choose community today, but do it this way, choose today. Don't let the sun go down tonight on January 3rd, 2021 without having a conversation you need to have with Jesus, maybe yourself, maybe your spouse, maybe a friend. Bring community in, walk together, run the race together. Choose today something to start, something to stop, a courage, a system to create. But ultimately, know this, Jesus will give you what you need today. In the same way, a man who's anonymous is hung on a cross next to our savior who lived an entire life where his direction determined his destination and his direction, he was with the wrong friends, he created the wrong systems, he had the wrong disciplines or lack thereof, and he became a common criminal who was dying next to our Lord. But he says, will you remember me? And Jesus says, today, today, you can be with me in paradise. Jesus isn't waiting for tomorrow for you. While you were still a sinner, he died and he's available with his power and strength today. At all locations, would you close your eyes and pray with me? Let's do business with God today. There's a place you've drifted. There's a, there's a control you've got to release. There's a hurt that you need to ask him to heal and don't wait till tomorrow. Do it today. Jesus is active today. One of the most important things you could ever do is choose today who you'll serve. And when I say God first, it means you've not invited Jesus to be the center of your life. He's not first in your life. That'd be the greatest decision you could make to choose today. In your own words, you say, Jesus, thank you for not being mad at me. Thank you for giving me this opportunity to do business with you. I, I, I wanna serve you. I wanna have you in the middle of my life and I don't even know what to do next, but I believe you are who you say you are, the son of God lived a perfect life, died a death, rose again, ascended into heaven. You're preparing heaven for me. And I wanna put my trust in you. Thank you for giving me this moment to make things right with you. For others of you, it's choosing today something to stop. You're gonna get the calendar out. You're gonna make a phone call to that relationship. You're gonna invite someone into your life and share something that's holding you back that they're gonna help you with, not gonna hurt you with. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, whatever it is, we choose today to lean into your grace, to lean in with glad surrender and trustful obedience. You will be God in 2021. You will have the final say in 2021. You had the final say in 2020. And come hell or high water, you are God. And we put our hope and trust and faith in you. We say it all in Jesus' name, the strong son of God. And everybody said amen.